We are the tribe from the north. We're brave and we're bold. Defeating all rivals never gets old. Making our way to the big sky conference. Watch out, cause here comes the silver and gold. For the Vandals of Idaho. Welcome back, Tribe from the North, Brave and Bold, to the official, unofficial podcast of your Idaho Vandals and your Vandal affiliate on the Big Sky Podcast Network. I'm here with my fellow college football Vandal nerds. I believe the correct term is pedantic nerd. Brian Marceau, how are you, Professor? Doing great, man. Came back from media days yesterday. Um, there's actually a ton going on in the conference we're going to talk about, but I, I was, I got to tell you, I was pleasantly surprised um, about really how much, how much news there, there is to talk about. Yeah, it feels like we'll get into it, actually. Why, why ruin the show before the show has even started? And we haven't even introduced the man running this show. Well, today, up front and center, not quite from the shadows, Dallas Hammer. How are you today, Dallas? I am doing quite well. I'm just trying to survive these kind of dog days of summer where all we've got is baseball and I guess MLS on occasion, but the Olympics are going and it's just waiting for real team sports to start up again. Right. Are we? So when you are a guest, we refer to you as Dallas. When you are a producer, we refer to you as producer Dammer. Is that, I think that's, that's what we'll roll with this year. I think that's how it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex Boatman, the boat, best of all time, will not be joining us today, probably because his boys uh, <laughs> lost to QPR. Oh, that one's got to hurt. For those of you that don't follow soccer, that is the equivalent of, like, if USC lost to, like, God, maybe Idaho is a great example, like D2, like Central Washington. They're a whole tier below. Uh and Man U being probably one of the top five biggest clubs in the country. Wild. And apparently he's still railing from it. Um, or he's moving to West Virginia. One of the two. Uh, our guest today, ironically, is our co-host, Brian Marceau. Because Dallas and I have a different perspective. We watched Media Days like the rest of you. Uh, Brian Marceau was there in person representing Tubbs at the Club and the Big Sky Podcast Network. Uh, with a couple other Big, Cat, Big Sky Podcasts network members but uh before we get it well i guess we'll just get into around the bar but first we want to thank mon tucky cold snacks ain't nothing like cracking a mon tucky cold snack an ultra refreshing light beer born in majestic big sky country best part is when you crack a snack you're giving back mon tucky cold snacks donates eight percent of profits back to local causes even right here in idaho supporting organizations like the cw hogs and the idaho food bank yeah that's freaking awesome Montucky Cold Snacks, a light American lager for pow pow rippers, gator wranglers, pony riders, and badass do gooders. Visit MontuckyColdSnacks.com today. Find out how to get your ass some snacks. Around the bar, brought to you by Hughes River Expedition. Um, media days. Brian, I mean, where do you want, how do you want us to go with this as the guest? You want us just to throw you questions? You want to kind of talk about stuff and we elaborate? Or what, what are you kind of thinking here? I think we should just start pulling some taps. Yeah, I guess I could. I could refer to this beautiful outline you prepared. Um, but actually, Chris, a great place to start because um, this actually this announcement came before media days. There's a little bit of talk on on social media that we engaged in too, but it was further explained during media days. Is Big Sky Conference with Southern Utah leaving redid their schedules over the next three years, and there was a big change 
for Idaho and for a lot of teams, but for Idaho, that's what we care about. Teams have new protected rivals. For and the so if listeners don't know what that means, because the Big Sky Conference is huge, we can't play teams every single every team can't play every other team every single year. So we have what are called protected rivals. Those are two games that you're going to play every single year. The term rival is loose. We could probably call it protected game that should matter a little bit more Um, because, of course, not all the rivalries are what we think of when we say the word rivalry. But for Idaho, we had had Eastern Washington and Montana as our recurring games. Frustration we talked about in the show is that we didn't get to play Idaho State every year. We traded. We still have Eastern Washington playing every year. We're no longer playing University of Montana year in and year out. We are going to be playing Idaho State instead. And that game for the next three years is going to be treated as a like special rivalry game where it's the last game of the season. Kind of like Cat Grizz is the last game of the season. Kind of like the Causeway Classic between UC Davis and Sacramento State is the last game of the season. I'm pretty sure that, Chris, you're going to be like me where – there is there isn't one answer to like how you feel about some of the this change for Idaho. We can talk about the other teams too because we need to go over what the worst new protected rivalry game is. It's not one of ours. I but, actually love that idea. Yeah, but Chris, um, what's your what's your reaction to the to the change for us? Uh, for Idaho, I'm a little bummed. Um, I mean, I wrote an article about how I think that the Idaho State game should be something. I do like it being at the end of the year. It kind of sucks because. We'll put it the most optimistically like way possible. This is not going to be a huge game that will overtake Cat Grizz for at least 20 to 25 years, right? Like this game is never going to be the marquee game that Root or ESPNU or whoever have on. Uh, so that kind of sucks. But for Idaho people, if you don't really care about Montana, Montana State is like the general state of Idaho does. Um then, you know, this is great. Uh, at, Brian, as you talked on, like, you know, our private stuff, uh, which you can get into, there's a lot of sell from this from the state level. Like, the state is getting behind it, including the government, which is really cool to see them really embracing it. Uh, that being said, I love Eastern. I think Eastern is a fun game. Um, I'm having a lot of fun back and forth. People like Kyler Neal, Nick Fell, uh, Rod Nichols, Kelsey Hatch-Barek. So there, there's a lot of people that it's fun to jab with. I just think long-term, I worry about that game um, where in the future, I think Idaho State and Montana would have been better protected rivals for us. Montana being historic, it's the second most played game in the Big Sky Conference. I think we're coming out on 86 or 87 this year. First time kicked off is like 1903 or something like that. So it's a, it's an old, old game. Both of them coming from the Pacific Coast Conference. I would have liked to seen that saved. Now, if we were going to lose that, hundred percent. I think losing it uh, like Montana choosing Eastern over us who they have more history with makes absolute sense. But instead Montana is paired up with Bobby Houck's biggest buddy, Bruce Barnum. Like as a Grizz fan, I guess that's fun because like Barnum's and Houck are buddies and it's kind of like, haha. but like Barnum's on the edge of being fired. I mean, maybe Bobby Houck sticks around. I think he does, but like, what if he doesn't? Then you've got like the next, you know, Bob Stitt versus some BS Portland State coach, and people are gonna be like, "This game sucks." So I don't know. In my opinion, I would have liked to see a little bit, 
like of trying to keep Idaho, Montana back or for the big sky as a whole, if it's not going to be Idaho, it should have been Eastern for Montana. Uh, Montana State versus Eastern, though, that's a cool that's a cool switch because Eastern needed somebody better than Portland State to play every year. The so the highlight or the the asterisk to throw in here before we get Dallas's uh, take. The conference also changed up their formula for scheduling, which is why they released three years. So as a Vandal, I can tell you, I was pissed when I saw Montana wasn't on our yearly schedule. But the conference, the new formula the conference came up with, which is easier with one fewer team. Side note. Like we, we all know we just want a smaller conference in terms of number of teams, but the protected rivalries always take place. But now every three years, every team will play another team. So let's talk about Idaho and Montana for a second. Over the course of these three years, even though Idaho won't play Montana one year, it's just one year. And over the course of three years, we're going to play every team once at home and once on the road which is better than look this is a thing that's happened with some schools idaho's had this experience where we've been the big sky for three seasons we played montana state once uh, there's other schools like that where kids the students are on the team for four years like yeah we played northern colorado once like i guess they're in our conference but i don't have any feelings for that 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 change is positive and it makes the loss of montana's protected rival a little bit less of an issue when i talked to paul petrino and um, I talked to Terry Gawk a little bit too. Uh, with Terry, like it wasn't a formal interview, so I don't want to like treat it like an interview. I'm just going to give you like the basics of the talk because she wasn't prepped as though, hey, I'm going to relay this. Um, according to both Paul and Terry, like Brad Little, the governor of Idaho, is actually kind of getting behind the idea of, yes, Idaho, Idaho State need to play. Yes, we need to treat these two teams at the same tier with in the same state as important. You know, uh, Paul Petrino doesn't usually, you know, go much into emotional stuff with football in terms of like his reaction, like I didn't like it or I did like it. He just kind of says, OK, well, whatever it's what we're doing. That was more or less his reaction. He said, like, not playing Montana every year is like kind of disappointing, but it's once in the next three years. Bobby Houck actually had the same reaction of like, hey, we like we just need a small conference. But look, we still care about this game. We just wish it was every year. But we're going to see him two, two years in the next three. Not as big a deal. Um, yeah, I. Yeah. Oh, yeah, go ahead. No, dude, you go. I I, I, I was just going to say, and the one thing to think about with the 2024 thing, uh, it is one of those funky leap year deals. So we do get 12 games. Uh, Montana has filled out their schedule, but Idaho does have an opening. We play Wyoming and Oregon that year, as well as, I believe, Drake or Dixie State. One of those two. We're playing NFCS lower tier opponent, lower tier as of now, who knows, in 2024. Uh, so Idaho has an open space. We also play week zero against Oregon. Uh, so we kind of have like a three-way flex there. We can play with three different weekends. Uh, so really Montana needs to decide if like playing Idaho and keeping some of this history and getting that rivalry back going, especially if in these next three years, 21, 22, 23, maybe we can get one or two. Uh, I think that could be big. They basically have to sacrifice Moorhead State, uh, Missouri State, or – uh, God, it was another team that's decent, like Central Arkansas. It's not them, but like an okay team that kind of pushes from time to time to be good. Um, so there's a chance this could end up on 2024. We brought this up when Idaho versus Eastern wasn't on the schedule in 2019. And those athletic departments were able to get stuff done to where Idaho and Eastern played each other out of conference in the Kibbe Dome. So there is still hope. That is three, four years down the line. So like, I don't want to get – too into it, but yeah, I agree. It was bummed as well. Sorry, Brian, back to your no, where you were it, driving. No, it's cool. I mean, the, the big thing is I had an, the initial reaction I had 
was being really pissed, wanting to do like an immediate reaction recording to it. It's one game that actually could be, like you said, there's a route for this to be scheduled. I kind of, I mean, I, in my head, I kind of wish Idaho and Idaho state had that template of like, Hey, we'll try to make the non-conference work when the conference doesn't, but Montana actually has money to make that happen. So in, in theory, this might actually be better. It's again, I hate not having Montana every year. I absolutely care about rivalries like little Brownstein. That absolutely is part of what is going to keep, especially, you know, older fans who are, who this is part of what they grew up with. It, it does matter to have those things there, but it's not, it's not the change I initially thought. Dallas, we got to hear, got to hear from from the producer on this. It's really disheartening to start. Uh, as somebody that was very openly pro Big Sky back when the WAC collapsed, this is the kind of thing I was expecting: was they're going to play Montana every year, they're going to play Idaho State every year, they're going to play Eastern every year. We got two of the three. And there's always a chance that, like you said, Montana's got some openings. We've got an opening. We can make this work. Uh, Eastern and Montana State, and now that they have this protected rivalry, they did that back in 2014, scheduled, you know, they were both, I think, in the top 10, maybe top five, scheduled out of conference and played right after Eastern played, I think, Washington that year. Uh, so it, it certainly can happen. It's, it, is, it is very tough to realize, like, cool, back in the big sky, it's – already hard to swallow that the team sucks. It's even more hard to swallow that like the, the big rivalry from the, the old days is gone. It's not gone, but it's, it's not going to be played every year, which is, it defeats the purpose of going back to the big sky. For me, it's, it's very disheartening to, to see this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I, I, I was like you, I mean, we all obviously were in a chat pissed, like livid pissed. Like I literally said at one point, like, I don't know how much more I can do this. Like, this is just – between the, our record and everything, this just felt like another huge blow uh, just to everything we've been doing. But really quick from you guys, I'm curious on my, my kind of take there. Um, would you guys – if you could pick our two annual rivals, do you pick it as Eastern and Idaho State, Brian? So if, if you're I, Terry Gallick, you're, you are athletic director Marceau, and the big sky is going, hey – Athletic director Marcel, you could pick two teams you want to play annually. Who and why? Actually, that's a great way for me. We should explain this process really quick because I can answer that question with process. The way this worked, and just in case fans are curious, this was institution driven. So each school submitted four preferred rivals. That was a job for the athletic director to delegate that AD could do it themselves. They could give it to someone else. But per talking to Tom Wistersill, that the the selection of your four candidates for prefer for recurring games came from the institutions themselves then the conference did their best to match your top your top four with each other every team got at least one of their top two so to answer your question my top four i would have had montana eastern idaho state um, and then fourth probably montana state i i would just not really be scared about us getting down to four so Idaho State would have been number three because I have that. I just don't have that historic. Idaho State and Idaho is not a historic rival to me. Uh, the way the Montana is and the way Eastern, in my mind, actually is a little bit more than Idaho State recently. Yeah. Although we are 500 against uh, Eastern and we're only uh, one and two against Idaho State. Um, but producer Dammer, or sorry, uh, guest co host Dallas. 
Oh, did he freeze? Uh, no. Uh, he may have frozen, so we'll vamp while he gets back in. Um, Chris, while we're waiting for him, what would your top two have been? Uh, I would have done Montana. I would have gone Montana one, Idaho State two, Eastern three, and yeah, like you probably Montana State or Weber four. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of mine. And, you know, I got to stress, I'm not disappointed about Idaho State recurring. That's a, that is good. That's a, a step in the right direction. Something we had talked about on the show that Idaho, Idaho State needs to happen. We just didn't talk about doing it in the context of getting rid of the Montana game for yep. it. But yep. the, and the last, and Dallas, are you able to answer that top two question right now? Yes. As long as my internet doesn't go out again, I, for me, and this might draw some, some sort of heat somewhere in the state, but it's Montana and Eastern Washington. That's the, the top two, not even question. Uh, that's, Sorry, my internet just dropped again, waiting to make sure I come back. Okay, there we yeah, go. Uh, so it's Montana and Eastern Washington. This program needs to build some sort of base back. Uh, people have flocked away from the Kibbe Dome over the last, honestly, the last really 10 years. But the, the, the time in FBS has seen this fan base kind of dwindle from what it used to be. You know, I don't remember the last time I saw the Dome realistically even three-fourths of the way full. So the, the way to get at least butts back in the seats is playing the teams that are very close. I was going to say, it, it was Montana, Montana in 2018. Yeah, and even then it was empty at halftime. But you at least got butts in the seats for the first bit of the game. Idaho State, yes, the the battle of the domes or preferably Kings. But the in-state thing is important. But to me, the teams that are the two closest – physically are the teams we should be playing every single year just to get some sort of real actual people that are within a stone's throw. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll say Idaho state was pretty stoked about the change. Cause I mean, for them, they traded Portland state for us and that was a no brainer. Like Fennessey yeah. was Fennessey uh, and Vanderwall. They're both saying, yeah, dude, no brainer. We walked that however every year. I actually asked Fennessey. I said, Hey, who are, who are your top four? I said, I don't care about top four. Were. I said, Weber and Idaho state. That's all I cared about. So I said, Weber and Idaho. I didn't care about anyone else. And I got Weber and Idaho. Yeah. Which is fitting for, for Weber or for Idaho state. It's like, that is, that is a win for them. That program, that's a win. One, it can help their program because that's something where the state of Idaho now is aware of it. And kids start to wake up to this game. And hopefully someday, I don't know if it's possible with a school like Boise State in our footprint or for us being eight miles from Wazoo. Can you build this into something that, like, if Boise State is playing somebody like UNLV, can more people in the state tune in to watch Idaho, Idaho State versus Boise State versus nobody in the Mountain West or Big 12 or whatever the hell happens in the FBS level right now? Like, um, maybe. And like I said, it's 20 years probably before we get something really fiery and consistent, um, which is just a reminder to people that how big the Little Brownstein loss was. The Little Brownstein used to be played after Cat Grizz. It was the game in the big sky. Eventually we leave. 15, fast forward 15 years later, Montana State actually becoming good actually helps this a lot too. Uh, but Montana, Montana State seems like this untouchable rivalry. But people have to remember at one point, it was Idaho, Montana. 
And then it became Idaho or sorry, Montana, Montana state. Not saying that rivalry didn't already exist, but it, it, it blew up after Idaho left and those two and Montana state finally kind of became competitive. Um, maybe that's the case here. We've already lost to Idaho state twice. Maybe with Idaho state being competitive, Vandals do start to resent them more. Maybe it can bring some money into that program and it will be more fun for Vandals to go there. Cause right now it's not a great place to watch a game. I, I'm not trying to be mean to Idaho state people. I, I think they are even aware of it. It's just not, I mean, hopefully that can get turned around, get some money in there. If the state's buying into it, maybe we can get some funding there. I don't know. But either way, I just hope this can blossom. And then someday we'll laugh and go like, remember when we were pissed that we – I don't think we'll ever laugh that we lost Montana. But I don't know. Glass half full approach over glass half empty. Um, well, you got to remember too for Idaho State, two years ago or three years ago when they hosted Idaho in our first season back, that was their best attended game in God knows how long. They they did have pretty good energy. So, I mean, there, there's reason to be hopeful for it. But I think I think we've put a button on this pretty well. Yep. It's not bad news to play Idaho State. It does kind of suck with Montana thing. Last asterisk, though. So the 2024 is the first year we don't have Montana on our schedule. In terms of realignment, that might there's a chance that might feel like 500 years. Yeah. Because we could be how, redoing the schedule next year. Yeah. And you could go to the WAC or the yeah. California schools like yeah. Weber. I know they're really pushing for Weber. Who knows? Yeah. Like like 2024. Remember, they used to have the schedule all the way through 2023, I believe. And they had to redo it because Southern Utah left. So here we are only like two years into the schedules they made back in 2019 or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, they're already changing. And that was without – Total craziness in conference realignment. We have just started crazy talk in conference realignment. But, Brian, maybe you could tell us a little bit about who might be televising these games. Okay, we're going to hold the pick the worst protected rival game for the end. But, uh, so, yeah, that's other big news is the conference gave more details about the ESPN Plus deal. They also gave details about the Root Sports schedule and the ESPNU schedule. To run through real quick, the Root Sports deal is a four-year deal. Tom Wistersill said he, one, he thought ESPN Plus was the right place to go to. Two, because of the changing landscape of how people consume sports, he wanted a contract long enough for us to have some consistency, but he really didn't want to be locked in. Again, we talk about the changing landscape. Four years from now, streaming, what platforms people want to use for streaming may be different. Prime, yeah. Exactly. He didn't want to be locked in too long, uh, and I buy that rationale completely, as in why an intermediate deal was given. Of course, ESPN Plus wasn't there to explain their side. But um, there was, he also gave us clarity on the money involved in the ESPN Plus deal, which the simple version of that is money isn't being evenly distributed to schools. Schools had to essentially submit an audit of the equipment they needed to improve their broadcast, and the conference is giving out that money based off of need specifically for the purchase of the things the schools need. So just a quick example, Idaho State, their production is, of course, not as strong as, let's say, Montana, where Montana is like carried by SWX all the time. Very likely, Idaho State can receive a bigger chunk of that money than Montana because Montana doesn't need help improving their broadcast, but Idaho State sure as hell does. Um, and last, real quick, the, the ESPNU games, these are nationally televised. October 2nd, Montana at Eastern Washington. That's Saturday. 
And Friday, October 15th, it was moved to Friday to be a night game with no other competition. Um, Montana State at Weber State. Root Sports is only going to carry four games this year. For Vandal fans, there's only one game you got to figure out how to get Root on. Otherwise, Root games are Cal Poly at Montana State October 9th. Seriously, there wasn't anything better. Um, Idaho with Eastern Washington on October 16th. That's the one for us to care about. So if you don't, if you can't watch it on Roots, get your ass cheating. October 30th, Southern Utah, Montana. And then November 20th, Cat Grizz in Missoula. I'm also looking at that October 30th game. Like there's there was nothing better. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, like I don't want to nitpick the schedule to that that part too much because Honestly, if you like watching the Big Sky games, the Root games are the hardest to get a hold of for most people. So it's not like for me, I'm not going to be able to go to Pocatello. I'm kind of happy Idaho. Idaho State's not on Root Sports the last week of the season so that I have to figure out what the hell am I going to do to watch this. But uh, I got to tell you, when when Mr. So talked through some of this stuff, I like the direction I like the ESPN plus stuff. I mean, we already talked about that last episode, but when he gave more details about, you know, the monies have already been dispersed to universities. So there's a chance we will see some broadcast improvements. Now, of course, it's, Chris is right in his piece. This isn't going to turn Portland state into an ESPN college game day type of production or anything. But I mean, the, the co- bureaucratic processes, if you've ever been involved in a government institution, man, those things can be goddamn slow. This was quick. So, yeah. I mean, really, my takeaway before we hear about you guys is listeners are going to hear say this a ton of time. I really like our administration at the Big Sky. Yeah. Oh, dude, our I think we have the best leadership in at least the FCS level. Um, I, if I was the Pac-12, I think they might have missed on swooping in and grabbing this whole staff early. Um, but we'll see how their new leadership goes. But I, I think Dan and um, Tom have always been ahead of the ball in terms of like thinking. I mean, like we talked about in 2019 when we showed up to Media Days, they took time to sit down with us, like the podcast people, because they like realized that podcasting was this new form of content that most people were going to use to engage with the conference and their team. And we've all been, I mean, this is all behind the scenes. Most people see this. They're very communicative with us. Like we can literally ask them a question, Twitter, email, whatever, and they get back to us. And they do that with a lot of people. I know that too. So it's like, um, they're not afraid. They're not hiding behind the shield. They're very much like approachable. Uh, and I think they do have ideas to get ahead of stuff like the influencer thing, which I don't know if it's in here somewhere, but, uh, long story short, what they did was basically hired this company to help at, with NIL, like let these student athletes know how to be prep, prep, prep themselves instead of hiding from it and trying to shun it away and be like, sure, this is here now, but don't do it. Like day one, they hire a company to help their athletes do it. And like, that's the kind of stuff they do that I think is so much different than a lot of other conferences. Um, I think I said this, it wasn't necessarily them either, but the Pluto TV idea originally, I like that they tried to think outside the box. They tried to go, how are people, like they talk about with ESPN Plus, how are people going to consume content? This is going to be one of those things where we're saying, you know, they were a little bit ahead of their time. It's like the BMW i8. Like that thing did not sell. It was like a fully electric sports car. People are like, how ridiculous is that? Now Tesla's every everybody's coming out with electronic stuff, but the i8 came out in like 2008. It was just 10 years ahead of its time. And I think that's where the big sky is. Like Pluto TV was a great test. Um, and I, I think that the conference was like, you know, let's try something different. It's free. What do we have to lose? They tested it. It didn't work. They moved on. 
I can get behind that. Like I said, I, I'm not expecting Portland State versus Cal Poly to look like I'm tuning in the Virginia Tech versus Pitt. Um, but we will see some upgrades. They took the steps to make sure this is still a step forward and not a lateral move, like my piece said. Still things I'm worried about, but it is becoming more and more clear as this moves on. I'm going to be less right than I am wrong. Um, like, as in, I'm going to miss more than I hit in that piece, yeah. which I'm happy about. Like, of course, I would rather everything be more enjoyable. Uh, that's it. I am a root sports fan. I worry about the future of it sounds like we're going to try to get out of that or they're going to try to drop us. Uh, according to you, it sounds like they might. They, I think they got the broadcasting rights for the Kraken. That might be why they only have four games this year. But I like it. It's a great production. Hopefully with all this production stuff, it doesn't matter and we get more stuff like that. But right now, hands down, every root game we do is leaps and bounds better than anything SWX even does. Like it is the best broadcast. It's just hard to get unless you have direct TV and that, once again, people are moving away from that. People have cut the cords. So like me, they watch on YouTube TV or Sling, and that's just this is not how it is. But all in all, I'm happy with it. I think the conference has done a good job explaining it um, and talking about how it is going to be different. And though I'm not exactly stoked, like just when we were looking for a screenshot on something, it was hard to even find the replay of our event from yesterday under the college football tab. Oh, well, because like – Nobody was scrolling on Pluto to find college football on Pluto. So I have to like adjust my mind thought a little bit that like, yeah, we're still going to be very back depth page of ESPN, watch ESPN and ESPN plus, but like at least we're there. And that ESPN U stuff is going to be huge because other than the HBCUs and really at this point, only the SWAC, not even the MEAC, that doesn't happen. There's nobody else on ESPN U except maybe North Dakota State when they play some just huge school or college game day. Actually, I think the year they played South Dakota State, game day was there, and yet the game still was on like ESPN Plus. It wasn't even moved to ESPN U or ESPN Two, and game day was there. So the fact that North Dakota State and South Dakota State, possibly, I could be wrong here, I believe we're not even on ESPN, and we're going to get two games every year for the length of this contract, that's a win. And that's another example of why Tom and Dan – are really good at they do. And it goes beyond just them too. I know this was about our TV contract. Now we're just raving about the conference, but like Mary Louise cook, she did a fantastic job. If you didn't, if you watch that, you wouldn't know that it was uh, not somebody employed by, or employed by the conference. You would think it was kind of a more neutral person. Uh, and then the fact that like, as you have here, the FCS all in that was on Pluto is still going to go this year with Craig Haley and a little bit of Sam Herter and the big sky. Once again, is running this. This is for the entire FCS league. And yet the big sky is running this. And Mary Louise Cook is the host for it. And Dan and everybody are the ones putting this piece together. They get the Missouri Valley, the Southland, the Wax Sun, and all these things together. Um, just great leadership. They're a step ahead at all times. And ESPN Plus, though it seems I thought was lateral, they've done enough of a little hop forward that I'm still behind it. Cause I think they're taking a hop, like a hop forward before a huge leap here in three, four five more years down the line. And you, so a point you brought up before we get Dallas's take, we obviously need our fans to barrage FCS all in with a request to get tubs of the club on. Yeah. Because I mean, look, I mean, it's cool that we're starting to get some organization about look, the FCS, there are some active fan bases. And, and there are some fan bases that could become more active. We, we do just kind of need the product there. I will say one thing I, I talked to Tom about, which I just thought was funny. He told me, like he specified, now I need your listeners to know, please don't email me if your internet sucks. 
I actually get a ton of email. I got a ton of emails about Pluto and there, but the, the problem was Pluto streams fine. It's your internet sucks. The ESPN plus deal. It's not fiction. Your shitty internet. That's my words. Not his. So like that is reality of streaming. We all know that, but anyway, that was kind of funny. Dallas, how'd you feel about ESPN plus? Not in light of the new news. Pro ESPN plus thing for a very long time because that's I, I've cut the cord. I cut the cord five or six years ago, uh, which is very weird for a guy that used to work in broadcast television. Um, but anyways, so I've been very hard against the root deal because I hate root. I have people that I, I work in with in television that work at root and I mean more power to them, but I hate the fact that I cannot stream root at home. The one caveat I had with this ESPN thing was, this is great, but I do not want to have our best games on route where I still can't watch them. The Athletic reported in June, I think, that now that the Kraken are going to be on route, the Trailblazers are going to be on route, and in addition to already having the Mariners and the Timbers, route is now actively working with at least Fubo TV, Hulu, and YouTube TV to be to offer some sort of streaming in the future. I don't know if it's going to happen in the fall. That was what they were shooting for, but there is going to be some sort of streaming option for root. And if, if they can land that and we're streaming everything on ESPN plus where we get a little bit of money to fix some of the broadcast problems with Idaho state, it's not going to fix that. This is terrible for me to say, but that awful broadcaster, that, that guy that needed to retire 10 years ago, talking about that incomplete pass and was 30 yards down the field caught and you know, they've moved on and he's still rambling about how, it's fourth down and they've got a punt while the next play is going. It's not going to fix those problems. We're still going to have to listen to people that their career spiked as being the, the guy for Idaho state, big, big F and whoop. Uh, but if we can now see these root games as well as getting a little bit better production on the things that are just going to show up everywhere else, which you know, Pluto to ESPN plus, this is fantastic. Uh, but again, for me, this hinges on this root thing. If if Root doesn't end up streaming, we're back in the same place that I've been of how do I watch the best games because I don't have Root at home and I don't really want to go find a random bar in Spokane with the probably two other vandals that live here. I'll I think you're going to be all right though. missing Cal Poly Montana State. Right? <laughs> I know you're really bummed about that one. If Root does get a streaming deal, everything I said to complain about Root goes out the window because their product 100%. is great. It's just, yeah, it's, and just, it's only an access issue at yeah, all. I've actually never 100%. heard anyone bitch about Root productions it's just the thing you talk about is how the hell do i find it especially if you're on the east coast meet grits fans talk about that all the time i mean um, we we get a we get a freaking in studio halftime show with root sports with michael Bum- bumpus angie mentig and then we get like guys like taylor barton who we've had on the show like the, if, if root could become available 100 we need to keep the root deal because it reminds me i don't know about you guys of that old timey college football um, specifically when I used to watch the Cougars a lot, where you had local broadcasters that understood what was happening with a good production. Because right now we have local broadcasters with a subpar production um, and radio guys. This is a full studio cast, and they know. It's like back in the day where like KTVB covered all of the Bronco games and KTIK or whatever, not KTIK, uh, whoever Channel 2 was covered all the Vandal games. You had like a local channel that specialized in that university's game. So they knew the players, they knew the opponents. They It wasn't like ESPN 3, which we were in the Sun Belt, where they didn't know anything. Root, best broadcast. If they can become readily available, absolutely 
I mean, we should we should find a way to do that for sure. The the other part too that I just want to bring up for the Idaho Idaho State game, I do believe there's a chance that if Idaho Idaho State can become something where both those teams are like around 500 ish, or like that game last game of the season starts to feel like it's it might determine making the playoffs or not for one of the teams. It would be great to get to a point that Idaho Idaho State is an ESPNU game. Like, like that's a kind of big jump because the fan base in Montana's are just bigger at this point. And we would need some momentum for that to happen. But like if you're a vandal and you're thinking, okay, like what are some things that could happen with this deal to help the Idaho brand go elsewhere? Well, if we can start winning some, if we win some games, like we now have incentive that that can get us off of just Northwest broadcast into something that has, you know, butts and butts and seats across the entire nation. It's a big leap at this point. There's no way like at this point next year, you'd look at the schedule and be like, well, duh, ESPNU is going to throw Idaho, Idaho state on. But, uh, you know, it's a thing you can at least feel like we're kind of, we could theoretically build toward. I'm not holding my breath, but I sure as hell won't happen. Yeah. And thing to think of university of Idaho has a larger enrollment than Montana, I believe. So like, there are more vandals out there in the world. It's just unlike Montana, there's no reason for them to be up, awake, and ready. Um, so you're right. If, if we can start winning and get some of these people back, I mean, we, we have a deep fan base. It's just they've been shunned for so long. Um, uh, COVID. I heard that was a little hot topic with a very blunt no ifs, ands, buts about it, which – to be fair, it's kind of like what the NFL and a lot of these leagues are doing. But, Brian, what did the commission have to say about COVID-19? Yeah, we got mixed news on how teams are actually doing vaccination rates. And the commissioner talked about this. Now, he wasn't able to go specific team by team. But the big sky overall, overall is doing a pretty shitty job of getting their teams vaccinated outside of the California schools. Like Sacramento State is saying, if you want to do any, any activity on our campus you're vaccinated or you don't come uh so sac state's pretty high but minus sac state the league average is about 40 to 50 percent vaccinated with some schools as low as 25 percent um i talked to terry and again i'm not quoting her this is a paraphrase she says she couldn't tell us like the actual number for idaho she's under the impression that idaho is one of the schools that's doing better Plus, you got to keep in mind we had COVID run through our program. So vaccinated plus recovered people means if Idaho is one of the better schools, we might be okay here. But, Chris, the rules are simple on coronavirus. There will not be a single game made up this season due to coronavirus stuff. For example, Idaho, our conference bye week is first week of the season. We have no flex time. So if you if there is a COVID cancellation, it is a forfeit, meaning a loss, for the team that that had that inspired the COVID cancellation. So for the schools that don't have as many people vaccinated, uh, there's also a higher, higher uh, protocols that unvaccinated players are going to have to go through. The conference purposely said, hey, we're not actually going to announce those until about a week before the season, just because like we've been through this guys for more than a year and a half, two years, things change uh, over the course of a month. So he said there absolutely are absolutely going to be protocols sent out about what would what exactly a cancellation would entail or why it would happen and what additional testing rules are going to be. But at this point, if you have a COVID cancellation, it's a loss. So like truly, if your team's not vaccinated, you could lose the playoffs because of that. Yeah. Or, uh, I mean, I don't want to say there's a chance, but 
knowing what I know and thinking what I'm thinking, maybe Idaho wins a couple games they shouldn't this year due to some schools I think might have some COVID issues. And you know, one we haven't clear, eaten since we've since 2000. To be clear, I, I I don't care about saying this. Portland State and Montana are the shitty schools in the conference on this based off their leadership. So I actually hope Portland State and Montana lose games because of this. I, I like the Grizz. I'm a, I, I've talked about this on the school. I, sorry, I've talked about my background with the school. I've talked about that on the show. But for, for people not taking this seriously, this is annoying as hell. The conference has put a ton of work. Our, our university administration put a ton of work. Paul's been open about, hey, like, we just had to follow the directions that, you know, the athletic tra- the head trainer here said. And it, it's annoying, but, hey, we did it. We have people actually trying to make this work. I hope the schools that aren't trying, I hope they face plant. If, if Paul Petrino literally says, yeah, it was a slight inconvenience, but I dealt with it, come on. Like, come on. And I get, like, you know what? You and your personal life, this is great. I was listening to it about DeAndre Hopkins. I think it was down here. It was ball game in Prater. And they actually quoted the, you know, best football coach of all time, Chris Peterson. But he made a point, and this isn't about COVID, but it applies to COVID. Um, as far as everybody out there, listener, whatever. But when you are on a college football team, when you are a college athlete and a revenue-generating sport, you are put on a pedestal, which means you are held to a higher standard, and it is team before yourself. And he was talking about that when, you know, talking about going out, drinking, driving, drugs, steroids, whatever it might have been when you were at – it's not fair. You are held to a higher standard. But with that, you get extra perks. You know, you're known around campus. You're the, it's about your team, and you have to make some sacrifices for your teammates. Now, I'm not we're not gonna go preachy on this. I'm just saying, like, as the college football team, is your goal if your goal is to win a national title, shouldn't you be doing everything in your power to win that national title? I'll leave it at that. Um I think it's just dumb that they have four years to play games and some people are unwilling to get a shot. It's too like we we're we do we purposely have tried to not be like coronavirus central for you guys, but this actually impacts games now. Schools like Sacramento State are not gonna have to care for the most part. Schools like Idaho very likely aren't really going to have to care when you combine recovered plus vaccinated people. There's still going to be rules to follow. But like refs, it's, it's even easier for players than refs. Officials were told, if you aren't vaccinated, you don't get a ref in the big sky. So the big sky actually lost a couple of refs. Hopefully it's the guy who had that field goal call um, against Idaho and Montana. Well, Idaho that was because his eyes didn't work, though. Well, yeah. Well, his eyes didn't work while he was dicking around. Or his mask. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's the guy from Montana State, Idaho, a few years ago. Maybe it's maybe we're lucky, and both those guys are the ones who are gone. But um, was that the same guy? Did we ever I don't, research I, that? I don't. I don't know that much. Um, <laughs> I I, I kind of hope it was, and I hope he's gone. I know. Now but, uh, I to be to be explained later. Yeah. Um, the, but the conference, they said, I mean, they're going to do what most institutions are doing where they're saying, look, we're not going to make a requirement as in the, you, you can still play if you don't get vaccinated, but there will be protocols released later where your life would even just be easier. Like you will have a lower demand on testing. If that were the case, I think they said athletes who are unvaccinated have to be tested at least every week. Um, un- Sorry, unvaccinated or tested at the very least every week. Uh, vaccinated people, it's every other week. But anyway, that if if listeners were wondering, is there still going to be the specter of coronavirus in the season? Yes, there is. Now, it's likely not going to be in attendance at this point because every school has said, yeah, we're going to have things open. Obviously, that's subject to change. But as of today, I haven't seen a single school that has limitations on attendance. 
but uh yeah i mean that's that's kind of the that's kind of the button on the coronavirus yeah. thing it's really? very there's almost nothing to understand we're starting to run long so real quick get the last bit of politics out there the big sky announced back Mar- march whatever that they had renewed the contract with the city of Boise to hold the Big Sky Basketball Tournament there for the next five years. However, oh God, however, yeah. So the the however Chris has is we actually try really hard to not talk about politics on the show, guys. Uh, but we're at the give point, it how it is, and let we people make we can't own like we can't do it on this issue because this is just where it is. Idaho had Idaho's like the state of Montana. Well, actually, Idaho's more advanced state of Montana. Um, we have a law that bans tra- that relates to prohibiting transgendered individuals from participating in sports of the of their affirmed gender. We're not here to have the Joe Rogan talk about like body composition or stuff like that. If you want to, just Google it. But what happens matters for us is I asked Dan Satter, uh, associate commissioner and i asked tom wistersill the commissioner because the montana journalists wanted clarity and they got it montana might not be able to host playoff games if their transgender law goes through because of ncaa protocols uh relating to discriminatory laws i asked him okay well what about idaho like obviously the playoff thing would be on the table for us but what about the big sky conference tournament they told me unequivocally one we don't have 100% answer. They both said that. But two, it is absolutely on the table that the Big Sky Conference basketball tournament could be removed from Boise if the law in Idaho uh, survives through the court challenge. They they both told me there's a little bit of an NCAA bureaucracy that go like the Board of Governors for recommendation on that topic. But they both told me in separate conversations, if this becomes the practice law of the land in Idaho, we will have to decide do we want, are we going to keep the championship in Boise? And actually this, the decision might not even be made for them. It would be made by an NCAA entity that actually doesn't care about the state of Idaho in the way that like we do, or maybe even the commissioner of the conference. Yep. So now, you know, um, depending on what aisle you're on, just be aware of it, research it, do your own research. Cause it might be something that comes on a ballot that you might need to be aware of. If you care about the big sky basketball game in Boise or the Vandals eventually making the playoffs or the Bengals. We have some Bengal listeners, just something you need to be aware of. So uh, make your own conclusions. We're not here to tell you what to do, but uh, just be aware of it. Um, tell us some of the like, interviews. Like what were some of the funny things that happened when you're talking to players and coaches? So the first thing I'm not even going to reference players for the most part, because the conference had the players and coaches together. And this was kind of funny. No player, if the question went to the coach first, said a word that was different from what the coaches said. It's actually a point when I was talking with Dan Hawkins, he deferred to the athletes first because he obviously, I, I bet he was bored of hearing the athletes say the exact same damn thing he'd said. But uh, nothing really big came out of the athletes. But as far as talking to individual coaches, I'm going to start at home in Idaho. Um, I, you know, I asked Paul point blank what Idaho's got to do to win some road games. Cause we're not going to finish over 500 if we don't start winning a few road games and uh, his reaction, his, what he told me, and by the way, Paul was really relaxed today or yesterday, which I don't know if it's good news, bad news, whatever. It was really, it was just nice to have him look a little less on edge. Um, he talked about the travel 
in the coronavirus season being uniquely hard for Idaho because Idaho traveled day of for every single, all three of the games they traveled for, uh, didn't really even stay in hotels. So like for flag and when they closed season out in Flagstaff against NAU, they flew to Flagstaff, ate in the parking lot, changed, and then flew back after the game. He said that was uniquely hard uh, for them. No other coach reference travel. So uh, Vandals, just definitely asked what he said. Um, we asked, I asked too about the quarterback situation because Paul last season declared Beaudry starter early. He said, he said it's competition. Again, asked the point blank is Beaudry a starter or we have competition. His answer was we have a competition. Didn't go into who's the clubhouse leader, but that's the thing we've talked about on the show is like, Hey, is it CJ? Hey, is it Mike? The answer is we don't know. Um, Jermaine Jackson, wide receiver who was supposed to stretch the field for us who went out in week one. He's expected to make, to be back for the second half of the season and Zach Borish, the topic that no one, we're not going to let that die either. Um, Paul tried to be a little bit, a little bit cagey, but he essentially boiled down to uh, Borish. What we saw against NAU with Borish, where he essentially has a package where he comes in situationally, is probably what we're going to see going forward. Um, he didn't describe Borish as a guy who they're going to, they're certainly not transitioning to the option-based offense. He also, I, I tried to find out like, hey, are we going to see him more like as a pass catcher, more traditional handoff. He said Borish for the most part. He, he essentially said what we saw against NAU is most likely what it's going to look like. So he's basically our Taysom Hill. Yeah. Not a bad spot to be in. No, um, no, not really at all. Uh, the play, Trey Walker and Log, uh, Logan Floyd were our Kendall. Logan Kendall. Why did I say Logan Floyd? Uh, Logan uh, that Kendall. Is a, that is an offensive lineman, so you weren't far off. Could that's have been there. Said, that's why I said that, yeah. Uh, Logan Kendall, they, I mean, they were nice. They're, they're pleasant. Um, probably bored after a while, too. But they uh, they didn't really add to what Paul said. Uh, a couple other like quick points from talking to other coaches. Um, so uh, Eastern Washington, Aaron Best said Ty Graham should be back this season. So good for Ty. Uh, Aaron Best also uh, brought up that uh, Idaho stays competitive against Eastern because Eastern needs to get better against physical teams. I bring that up because we've said that on the show. It's nice to have a coach say the exact same things we say once in a while. Uh, Brent Vegan from Montana State. I'm really curious how Montana State's going to handle Brent Vegan because, good God, he is not choked. Um, Choate was all ego, all charisma. Um, Brent Vegan is pretty reserved, uh, detail-oriented, and pretty relaxed. He definitely has no problem uh, going over like specific scenarios with his team. He was not upset. He, he didn't seem to like t- take an antagonistic track with any sort of questions, which historically that's Choate's thing. It's like Choate – there's reports from like Colton Juan is about like, you, you say something nice to Cho and he acts like you're like, you just told him he's the worst coach in the league. Uh, Brent vegan, pretty dang relaxed, really similar to Troy Taylor. So I'm, I enjoyed the interview. It's going to be different for Montana state where they've Montana state has convinced themselves that like Cho's the best coach ever. And that every coach they had previously was awful, even though their last, their previous two coaches to Cho each one, a big sky conference championship three times and Cho one zero, but that'll just be kind of a, uh, Kind of a different thing to look at. And you know what? Those are really the highlights. Uh, Rob Fennessy was fun again. Um, Bobby Houck was actually pretty fun too, minus being dumb about uh, coronavirus stuff. But um, Fennessy's pretty stoked about Idaho. He was, again, Fennessy is all in on King Spud. Paul looked at me like I was a little bit less dumb on King Spud this time. But um, actually, both Fennessy and 
uh, Petrino, when I asked him the King Spud question, because, hey, listeners, we know you're here, they both were like, hey, you know there's a trophy for that game, too. I'm actually saying, yeah, of course I know there's a trophy, but we, we're talking about the one that matters. But, uh, I mean, th those are really my highlights. Um, Montana State, it, that, that's culturally going to be different, because that dude is just not Jeff Cho, and I, I think that's good. Yeah. Um, so, big, big news here. Defensive player of the year goes to a vandal. Trey Walker, we won't go into too much about what it all means. That will be for our Idaho preview. But uh, it is the first time, I believe, since John Freeze we've had a preseason uh, MVP. So Chris, didn't a couple people on this show vote for him? I believe uh, two of us did. I believe somebody else picked Jace Lewis. Who would that have been? I was the idiot who voted for Jace Lewis. Trey's better. To, to I, be I, fair. I vote, yeah. To uh, Sam Herter's article from Hero Sports, he ranked the best returning linebackers in the entire FCS. Trey Walker won. According to Sam Herter, who does do his research, if you think he doesn't, you're dumb. Um, that's just a fact. Put Trey Walker won. He did put Jace Lewis like third or fourth, though. So, I mean, you aren't totally off having Jace Lewis. I think him not playing kind of hurt Jace Lewis in terms of like, okay, well, we saw Trey, though, last year. Do we see Jace? Maybe some Russ. I think he got the benefit of the doubt there. I think it would have been closer otherwise. I do think Trey Walker is the best linebacker in the league. So happy to see him get it. And it's cool. Like I said, it's the first time a Vandals won this kind of award since I think like John Freeze. So it, it was cool to see because not even Matt Linehan won that coming back after the Potato Bowl. So like any conference stuff, I don't think we've had anybody. So really cool. You know, a moment maybe just as a vandal to maybe mark down. Maybe this was the turning point. Like, you know, maybe, hopefully, we'll see. Yeah, fingers crossed. Knock on wood. Carry a rabbit's foot. All that jazz. Uh, offensive player of the year. No surprise. Eric Berry. Like, I wish they actually like with the media poll and coaches poll, they posted uh, like the amount of votes they got for because like who wouldn't have voted for Eric Berry? I mean. I guess that's what do you guys think about these two. And then if you had to pick somebody else other than Barrier, I mean, was there anybody like maybe Sammy Akem, I guess. Let's throw to Dallas first. He's been sitting too long. Oh, that's a very hard question, but I would personally say if you didn't vote for Eric Barrier, you should have had your vote pulled away. Um, there is zero argument I could make for anybody. Not, uh, not Yulonzo Gilliam, who, the entire UC Davis offense runs. He didn't even make all all make conference. All. That was uh, wild too. We're so deep at running back. Uh, like there is there is no single player you could make an argument for as the MVP better than Eric Barrier. No, no, Eric Bar Barrier has this weird dynamic in the Big Sky because he's been here forever. Because of, especially because the extra season of eligibility, where him being better than everyone, I think it just it almost feels old. He also. When you make the championship in your first season, if you don't make it again, it feels like regression. He hasn't regressed. Eastern's still a very good team. He's still a record-setting quarterback. So, yeah, I no-brainer, Eric Barrier for offensive MVP. If I wanted to throw away my vote, like Dallas said, or have my vote taken away, um, you might say, hey, what about Josh Davis? He's kind of a linchpin for the awful offense. Uh, Jay Hill trots out at Weber State. Um, but, no. Uh, I, I, there's too many, and there's also too many new quarterbacks for, let's say the voters got bored and they're like, uh, let's go with Montana starting quarterback. Well, he hasn't even started for a season. So like, you're not going to get a reputational vote. Over now. Uh, and defensively, 
I'm a moron. I should have voted for Trey. Yeah, but I mean, Jason Lewis was a fair pick. And to be fair, Craig Haley, who is the other big national brain other than Sam Herter, literally also said the big skies, like all conference defense, is one of the best that he's probably ever seen. Like this conference is stacked on defense, especially in the front four. And then Weber State has a lot of good DBs. I was actually surprised they didn't go three for four. Um, I think most of us. I don't know, Brian, you're more the Montana guy. I've never gotten the Robbie Houck thing. Uh, I think that was kind of – I think that got stole from – what's his name? Uh, is it Hecker? No, Hecker's the corner. Uh, the other – there's three Weber dudes that were obvious, in my opinion, and then Anthony Adams was the guy. If Anthony Adams from Portland State didn't get it from the DB, speaking of he's the only guy getting NFL looks, like that would have been a whiff. Otherwise, there's nothing you can complain about. I mean, Laaka La- Kahono Ohano Davis – Stud, right? Um, Troy Anderson, stud. Connor Mortensen, great. Trey Walker, Jace Lewis, we just talked about interchangeable there as defensive MVP. So, all in all, I think they did a great job. Offense, I had more bones to pick with. I think Talalimo Jones dropped too many balls, we considered all conference. Um, but that is very nitpicky, as we all didn't even agree on the third wide receiver. So, I believe, Brian, you had him. So, or no, it was it Dallas? Uh, Dallas had him. So, yes. like, we, we were on that train, too. so yeah. and My bone to pick is the same there with you, Chris. I would have gone uh, instead of Jones. Jones is really he's, – he's absolutely good, but he drops – I don't know how many times I have to have the conversation about, like, how the hell do Eastern Washington pass catchers drop this many balls, and he's one of them. I definitely would have given Hayden Hatton a look, and I, but I, I went with um, Pierre – that uh, Pierre, Jack, Pierre Williams, Williams from Sacramento. Yeah, State. Pierre Williams from Sacramento State is who made it to my ballot. Yep. Uh, real quick, uh, Dallas, do you have anything, or we're running over, and then we'll I hit. I just wanted to quickly rankings. say I'm looking at this ballot, and this is almost the exact ballot I put in. Um, I only was wrong on like four positions, which is really weird. I don't yep. know how to feel about that. Uh, we have a thing on our Twitter. I will probably make an article comparing the all-conference team to our actual all-conference team. So uh, we'll have that out soon. Probably a link in this description if you're not watching, like, the next day. Um, anyways, uh, media poll. Do we have that? Or coaches and media poll or either or? There we go. Uh, for those of you that are listening, thank you. Uh, 2021 Big Sky Media. Basically, the coaches and media voted exactly the same. Craig Haley made the joke. Who's going to tell the coaches that they're starting to think like the media? The only difference was 12 and 13 flop between Cal Poly and Northern Colorado. But otherwise, so basically I'm going to read the coaches, not media poll because we're media. Uh, Weber State 1, Montana 2, Eastern 3, Montana State 4, Sacramento State 5, UC Davis 6, Northern Arizona 7, Idaho 8, Idaho State 9, Portland State 10, Southern Utah 11, Northern Colorado 12, Cal Poly 13. Uh, any bones to pick here, or what were your kind of thoughts? I've got a bone to pick, and I'm sorry, little baby. I do not understand how the coaches put Cal Poly over Northern Colorado. I understand that McCaffrey has z- almost zero coaching experience. He's inheriting what was a terrible team, but Cal Poly looked so bad last year. And I'm a Bo Baldwin guy, and I still I would cut off a leg if Bo Baldwin and Paul Petrino switched positions right now. I wouldn't even hesitate. Give me a rusty spoon. I will start sawing. But yeah, and doesn't this Cal feel Paul like the coaches almost were spiting like Ed McCaffrey a little bit? Like 
Bo Baldwin's one of us, so we'll give him the nod over this outsider NFL guy. But, I mean, it's no secret. If you look at that roster right now, <laughs> Cal Poly didn't have a quarterback last year. They had Jalen Hamler and Rodriguez, right? Or no. Hunter uh, Raquet. Raquet, and they both transferred out. Correct? Yep. So they have no quarterback now. Northern Colorado brought in a former four-star quarterback that has seen time at Michigan. So, like – I don't know, man. Like, come on. What are we doing here? I was big on Southern Utah last year. I think I have Northern Colorado over Southern Utah. Um, we don't get the Portland State love. I think it's obvious for those Sean Rainey, who runs SWX Montana, has been spending too much time with Coulter Nuanez because he has them at like four. Because um, Coulter thinks he's what? They're top five or top four as well. Yeah. So we don't want to step on Coulter too much because allegedly he's going to join us someday. But uh, yeah, he said yeah. Coulter has said he thinks PSU is a top four or five team. Uh, I mean, he can tell us his actual ballot. There's no way. Yeah. I, I had Portland State. I don't I, off the top of my head. I haven't memorized. They were down bottom four. Yeah. Um, I and have he, no faith in Portland yeah. State. And he is penciled in with really light graphite uh, to be our guest in two weeks for our Big Sky preview. So maybe we'll ask him about that on there. Yeah. All in all, I mean, I think this is pretty spot on. I mean. Dallas and I had Weber State one. Uh, Brian Marceau had Montana one. So thinking those two at one and two makes sense. Uh, I don't think Dallas and I were 100% right. I don't think Brian was 100% right. So seeing one and two was pretty good. Although I believe Montana only had four first place votes, which means there's only three people other than Brian Marceau in the media that picked them. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yep, four. Yeah, Montana had four first place, Eastern three, Montana State three. Yep. Uh, Idaho. Shocked to see us above Idaho State, I guess. But I guess once again, I think we went on to it last year. I do think we were a better team than Idaho State. I just think when we play battle on the road and two, I don't know what it was. Um, I would have given it. I did in my poll personally give Idaho State the nod over us because of that and the fact that we are going to Pocatello again. But I guess I can't argue with the media for putting Idaho State behind us. Um, NAU. Apparently the hot ending really benefited them, but I'm surprised to see UC Davis really being behind Montana State and Sac State personally. Uh, I had Sac State at 10. I don't believe in them. I think they were flashing the pan. We'll see. I mean, I'm not going to argue that they played a hard schedule last year. I mean, they earned – 2019. They they earned everything they got. But, like, I just don't think it's going to be the same. I think UC Davis is actually a sustainable program with a guy like Dan Hawkins and organizational buy-in and not just being a, like a state university. Um, I think UC Davis has more of that recipe to be good. I think Sac State falls backwards a bit. And I, I just, I don't believe in Portland state Cal Poly. I do think could be better for a little baby's question on YouTube. Well, Cal Poly could not possibly be worse than what we saw in this. They were so bad at, I, they just gave up on the spring. I know they said it was injuries. We all know they wanted to not set the NCAA record for mar- margin of loss, which they absolutely, absolutely would have had a stranglehold on had they made it the rest of the way. Coward Polly. Coward Polly. Forever and always. Um, cool. Yeah, well, any- oh, go we, ahead. We do have one last thing we have to get to. You're, you're close. Uh, we'll do some production in front of everyone. You're about to close the bar, right? Uh, actually, I was going to say final thoughts on this before we get to our favorite, uh, what you brought up. The okay, perfect. Best, best um, yeah, last thought on this. We'll, we'll obviously, in our next episode, for listeners, we're going to do our, our own draft where we go through the teams for a deeper look. I am with you guys on Northern Arizona. 
I they're number seven, and NAU was really unimpressive to me. Like Idaho played terribly in that closing end of the season game against NAU. And we still had, we not had a blocked punt that gave them their touchdown. We would have been fine. Uh, And then you won a few close games in the spring, but I I just have to tell you, I was much more impressed with Southern Utah overperforming, even though they lost to NAU, Uh, you know, keeping it overperforming relative to spring expectations. I was more impressed with Idaho State, minus their week one game against Weber, uh, looking like they'd made some steps. Northern Arizona, to me, I, I, I don't I, – I have no problem saying I expect Northern Arizona to finish below both uh, Southern Utah and Idaho State. Asterisk, we'll go over the schedules during next episode because that does matter. Oh, yeah, Chris's super secret recipe of schedule strength began today. I've, I've got it all worked out. I tweaked it a bit. So I'm ready for in two weeks going over schedule strength and who's going to end up where. Um, before we do that, God dang it, we got new annual games. Let's pick it. What is the – do we call it the best? And everyone can read my facetious, my uh, whatever, my sarcasm, or do we just straight up call it the worst? The worst rivalry game that will be played every year that nobody in their right mind will probably tune into. I'm going Montana, Portland state. Uh, I'll just, I'll explain it. And then I'll let you guys rebut it. I guess real quick. It's not a rivalry. It's just Bruce Barnum and Bobby Houck, and they're not going to be there forever. I already kind of touched on it. That game sucks. One Portland state's actually done all right against Montana. And like, since we've been back in the big sky, I think they've, Maybe gone two for two or something, just like surprisingly shocking. Um, but like that's not going to keep up. Portland State is on the verge of being the next Eastern Washington, but actually folding. Um, which hint, hint, we might not have any of these schedules here in like a year. But uh, for me, that's like I'm just that's not a rivalry game. That is a cakewalk. It's basically the equivalent of what used to be Montana State versus Northern Colorado. That is what shuffled in. Now it's Montana versus Portland State. That is the rivalry that's like, why, how, and how does a really good team in the conference get an easy annual cakewalk? That it, it actually makes me mad that that's what happened. It should have been us or Eastern. So Portland State was the worst. Montana picking up Portland State was the worst change in the protected rivalry games. The worst game, I'm still going to live in Portland, but – I used to joke all the time about like Southern Utah, Northern Colorado, always have that game circled on my calendar. The new one, Portland State, Northern Colorado. Damn it, Brian. There's another Northern Colorado game for you to pick Dallas that actually could work here too. But that, that to me, like we need a championship for like the single game that even the hardcore big sky fans, you'll turn in, you'll tune in five seconds. Like what, what am I doing? But is in their Boise State game I can watch instead of this? But at least it's going to be competitive. That's my pushback with it. Like that game could be competitive. It could be competitive, but it's gonna it's it's gonna be like the, again. It's the I used to call the Bob Curtis. I say by you say I don't have the Bob Curtis Bowl. That was back in the whack days when we had Thanksgiving game, Thanksgiving weekend game schedule. No one was there. We often played either Utah State or New Mexico State where when they were not doing well. So it's truly like the championship for last, last second, last place. I've got Portland State and Northern Colorado. That's the new Bob Curtis Bowl. We needed someone else's name to not sully the great 
great legendary yeah, Van Halen circuit. Yeah. Yeah. But that to me, I mean, no, you're right. Montana should be a shit out of Portland state, but as far as I can't make myself care about it at all. And I care about the big sky, Portland state, North Colorado. I think like in 20 years, that could easily be 10, 10. <laughs> I mean, well, Dallas, you're going to be the Supreme court justice here, man. So, that was the one I was going to go for. Those teams have played, I think, 13 times since 1979. So it's not some sort of established rivalry. I think that dates back to when they were both Division II schools. They're both schools that none of us care about. If the Big Sky just randomly lost both of those teams, none of us would give a single shit about it. And most of the Big Sky wouldn't either. And that's where I I would have picked that as worst rivalry game. If I had to pick a different game, yeah, I'd probably go UNC NAU because I feel the same way about NAU that I do with both of those schools. Uh, Plus, they have the same colors. That would just be like not enjoyable to watch. It looked yeah. like you were watching a spring game. And Greeley exactly. doesn't even have the grass anymore. I mean, it's just factual. Blue and yellow is a terrible color for a football team. Cue Dallas's hat. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I'm just gonna <laughs> good. Okay. Not for my- listeners, he has a Rams hat on. Yep. Uh, yep. That hurt. Uh, but, I mean, realistically, I think that we all hit it right on the head because I, I think if we cut out NAU, PSU, and UNC, there's there's a big sky I care about a little bit more. It makes the scheduling a whole lot easier. Although games in Portland are fun. But I would say, all in all, we hit three pretty bad ones. I know NAU and, like, Northern Colorado, I think they're trying to make that a thing. They might even have a trophy. I don't know. But at least they're trying. Portland State, Montana, they're not even trying. And – Portland State, UNC, like one, are they the furthest two schools from each other now? Denver to Portland's not short. No. So, uh, unless you'd say you'd say Sacramento is further. I don't. I don't know the geography well enough. It's not exactly a like regional game. That's no, every not. single year you're hopping on a jet. No. the The best pickup I'd say is Montana State ditched UNC and picked up Eastern Washington. Yep. That's a fun game. And there are, like we talked about. And Idaho, Idaho State for, for the yeah. conference. Yeah. That's no, probably good. There were some good changes in the rivalry setup. Like the California schools are just themselves, which actually I love the idea that we're segregating the California schools because I would love them to build their own culture, old culture and find their own conference. But um, oh, man, they're, they're, I'm going to be devastated that I can't talk about the directional championship of Southern Utah northern colorado it's now the northern directional championship of northern arizona northern colorado that yeah no dude i just sold myself that's our trophy game battle for the north (laughs) true north (laughs) uh anyways closing the bar thank you guys for tuning in we kind of hinted oh that was uh, around the bar brought to you by huge river expeditions if you're looking for a great all-inclusive week-long vacation uh, don't look past your backyard. Venture into the largest protected wilderness in the continental US, United States, ro- located right here in the great state of Idaho. Join a multi-day trip down the middle fork of the Salmon, the main Salmon River of No Return, the Salmon River Canyons, or the Selway. And you can even check out special trips like one to see the Perside Meteor Shower, camp on pristine beaches, run amazing whitewater, hike scenic trails, spot wildlife, soak in beautiful natural hot springs all around the river's edge. Um, you also get to fish some of the most remote stretches of the river in the entire country. You bring your clothes and let HRE handle the rest. Use your expeditions as Vandal owned and operated since 1976. Ready to take you on a vacation of a lifetime. What are you waiting for? Find out what it's like to grab a paddle, catch dinner, and ride the bowl all throughout the Gem State. Call them now at 800-262-1882 or check them out at HughesRiver.com. Let's get us 800-262-1882. All right. Uh, closing the bar. Next week, we will do our Big Sky Preview, hopefully – 
Coulter Nuanes. If not, we'll probably try to pick somebody else up. Uh, Brian Hinton, I think it's our second year or third year annually doing like a draft of like where we would have all voted. So it's kind of fun because it doesn't always end up perfect. Um, we'll also kind of break down strength of schedule and everything like that. So make sure you tune in next week live on YouTube on Tuesdays around 7 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Mountain. Or obviously it'll drop wherever you get your podcast feeds um, around 8 a.m. Mountain, 7 a.m. Pacific Thursdays. So we'll see you guys bi-weekly for now. So we have two left bi-weekly. Big Sky preview, then the Idaho preview, and then we're previewing the hated maple syrup drinking Simon Fraser clan. Uh, now it's time for the best band in all the land. Sign of Idaho, the place out. Go Vandals. Go Vandals. Go Vandals.